You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. I am uh, going to talk tonight, uh, really open up a conversation that I think is important, and it's to uh, build and put language to the context of what is taking place at Riverhouse. And I was a golfer growing up. One of the big things of being a competitive golfer is you have to understand the context, meaning the course that you're playing changes the strategy and how you go about it. And so uh, in anything, the more that we understand the context, the more that we can engage in an effective way with what it is that we're facing. And so uh, tonight, I just felt the Lord... uh, said, I just want you to start a conversation um, and begin to articulate um, aspects of the context of what Riverhouse is so that we can begin to be rooted in the identity of what God is doing in this unique local church, right? And uh, we are not called to do everything, um, but we have a specific role to play in the body of Christ as Riverhouse. It's no better than any other church, um, but it is unique because God puts unique grace on different uh, communities, different people, different churches to do uh, unique things, right? And and a lot of... um, conversations that I seem to have with people, um, with you all in and out of the church, uh, is, you know, what, what is, what is God doing at Riverhouse? We know it's something different and, um, you know, try, we're trying to figure it out and we've been trying to figure out this out for, you know, almost, uh, three years now. It's been, uh, evident, uh, that the Lord is moving. He's doing a good thing. He's doing a new thing. And, uh, want to introduce some concepts that I think will, um, help build a context for you all tonight. So does that sound good? Yeah, so Jesus, I just ask that your heart will be expressed. God, you just highlight and share what it is that you want to share and that you'll begin an important conversation for uh, the the current state and the future of Riverhouse Church and this movement uh, that you have raised up for such a time as this. So we love you and we uh, incline our ears to listen tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Ephesians chapter 4. You know, I have like this dream. I have a dream that one day I'm going to say, turn your Bibles, and all I'll be able to hear is just like, yeah. you know, it's like strangely silent. <laughs> Conviction just flooding the room. <laughs> Bring your Bibles to church. I don't like phone Bibles either. This is a segue, but I just think that your phone, you do so much on it, you're distracted. So I don't buy the whole thing. I read my Bible on my phone because you also text on your phone, do Facebook on your phone, do all kinds of crap on your phone. So you're like kind of waiting. When's the text coming? When's the Instagram? What's this? This ESPN ticker, yada, yada. So read your actual Bibles. I think it's like, you know, it's good. You like to be able to like touch it. All right, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verse 7. Paul says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, right? So but, say but. Why is he saying but? He's saying but because he just got done saying it's one faith, one baptism, one spirit, unity, unity, unity. The church is one, but grace is given to different people in different measures is what he's saying, right? So there is unity. The church has one mission to bring heaven to earth, right? But different people, organization, or different people, and then different churches themselves, local churches, have different grace from God according to the measure of Christ's gift to fulfill unique purposes. Following me? All right, give me feedback. You know I preach better that way. Anyways, so skip down, but there's this grace, verse 12, or sorry, verse 11, here's the different graces. He gave some as apostles, say apostles. He gave some as prophets, say prophets. He gave some as he gave some as, and, okay, so apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? I just want to throw this out here as I, you know, preaching on this verse. 
I, these are job descriptions, not job titles. All right, like I, I have met people that have given me their email address. I was, <laughs> I was sitting in a hostel in Israel once, and I was on the top bunk, a guy was on the bottom bunk, and we were talking about something. He wanted me to email him something. I said, okay, what's your email? He said, yeah, it's a P-R-O, okay, P-R-O, F-A-P-H-E-T, uh, O-F of, uh, capital Y, capital H, capital W, capital H, one, two, three, nine, six, at gmail.com. I was like, prophet of Yahweh? I was like, your email is prophet of Yahweh? <laughs> so you just casually dropped that on me in a hostel in Israel? It, prophet of Yahweh? And it's one, two, three, nine, six, meaning there's like thousands of other people that have also stolen that email address? You know, I just don't think that works great. Anyways, so these are job descriptions, right? They're describing what the grace does. I don't think it's like, a, you know, to walk around saying, here's my title. You know, I just think it can get wonky, and there's been abuse in that. So that's a bigger topic. I think we can honor people in these types of roles, but I just like to think of them as job descriptions. So I'm going to talk about job descriptions tonight and these different functions of the leadership. Like these are leadership graces that God bestows upon individuals and actually churches to express different aspects of who Jesus is, right? So apostolic grace, right, governs, say governs, right? Apostolic grace is government. It's for the government of the church, right? The word apostolos is a Greek word. It was actually a secular word. It was not sacred. Prophet is like a sacred word from Hebrew history and literature. Apostolos was a secular word that the Romans used for a general in their army that Caesar, right? They had the Pax Romana, right? So the way that Rome ruled is you would go conquer it and they would try to make everything Roman. The way people talked, the way people lived, the way people, the market was set up, Pax Romana. Romana. An apostolos was a general that was sent by Caesar to go conquer some territory and make it like Rome. So Jesus borrows this term, hey, you're my disciples, you're apostolos, meaning you're to go and bring the kingdom of God and culturize it according to heaven. Culturize earth according to heaven, right? So it's a pretty practical term. We've made it like it's some crazy thing, right? I believe the equivalent of, of this word in modern uh, linguistic would be like uh, entrepreneur, Right, so it's like an entrepreneurial, pioneering type spirit, right? And there's a governmental grace, right? The apostolic grace has a blueprint of what, of what heaven's culture looks like. And the apostolic grace has it, and it, it's to be expressed. It's going to put the right people in the right places to create the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, right? So church plants, organizations, right? You look at like, uh, like Elon Musk, we're going to go to Mars, right? It's like pioneering thrust, right? Entrepreneurial grace from God. Not that Elon Musk has the, you know, whatever, okay. Uh, I think you see what I'm saying, right? So government, it's for governing the church. Prophetic grace guides, say guides, right? They have a grace. You see, perceive. You know, you're around prophetic people. They just know things. Like, how did you know that? I don't know how I knew it. I just knew it, right? Like, it, God, there's foresight. There's insight. Prophetic grace, grace can see, and it equips the church to see, to connect to the vision. It's the eyes of the body, right, that sees and can perceive what's to come, right? This is, and you can see this in both, like, sacred and secular context. Prophetic grace guides. It sees, okay? Uh, evangelistic grace gathers, Right? You see people that are evangelists, you're like, you have more testimonies leading people to the Lord in the last three days than I do in the last three years. Like my mom. It's like, hey, I was hot tubbing and I led five people to the Lord. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was hot tubbing and I don't really talk to people in the hot tub. 
<laughs> it's going to mind my own business, and I'm fine with that, you know? Evangelistic grace, it gathers. It goes out. It, it's like passionate. we got to bring the people in. we got to share the gospel with people. Come on, right? Listen to Todd White. You're like, gosh, what am I doing with my life, you know? <laughs> Evangelistic grace gathers, okay? Um, uh, shepherd, pastoral grace guards. You like these rhyming G words? <laughs> I stole them from Rob McCorkle, so <laughs> I'm not that smart. But it guards. I, and I don't like alliteration in sermons typically, but I, this makes a good point. So I don't like three-point sermons. I don't like using words that all start with the same letter or ones that rhyme. It seems cheesy, but tonight I just am going with it. So I hope you like it. Okay. That was supposed to be a joke. That's still not landing, but it's all right. Shepherds guard. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, protect, seize the wolf, get out, protect, nurture, affection. They want to build healthy family. Nobody will mess with my family. Right? That is what a shepherd does. Lays down his life. You will feel safe. You will be comforted. You will be nurtured. You'll find restoration. You'll find healing for your soul. The Lord's my shepherd. Right? Pastoral grace guards. That's what shepherds do. And then teachings ground. They, teachers ground us in the word of God. Right? So you can have like all these prophetic experiences and subjective encounters with God, which are amazing. But teachers are always saying, where is this in the scripture? How do we ground everything that's taking place in the word of God? Theological understanding that we are rooted in purity, that we're not weighing into the, you know, the spirit of the age and the fads and the hype and whatever. Grounds it in the word of God. Right? So which grace is the most important? It's a trick question, right? They're all important. Right, but this is what I want to make note to you is that there are tensions built within these graces. Right? So like you have prophetic people that are like, oh my gosh, there's an angel right there. <laughs> like, yeah, and there's one right there, he's talking to you, and like I had this and this dream. You're like, I've never had that ever. Right? And you're like, but it's like amazing, it's like powerful. And you're like, wow, how did you know what I ate for breakfast yesterday? Like that's incredible. Like you're hearing from God, right? But then like teachers are like, how do I know you saw an angel? Where is that in the Bible? Right? Like, like there's like, what do you mean you, you've, you felt like God said this? What do, you mean, what do you mean you felt? Right? Like, where is that in the Bible? Like, like what, what do you mean you can't remember if it was like this or like this, but the main thing, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like, they want like scrutiny, like give me the details. Like, I'm not, up, you, you see what I'm saying? Right? There's a, there's a tension there. Truth's held in tension. Truth is a person named Jesus. Right? You want to know another tension? Me and my mom have had a lot of fun with this one. Between apostolic grace, which is like, let's pioneer. Do the new thing. And then the shepherding grace, it's like, we need to take care of people. <laughs> right? Like my mom, uh, like, uh, she was at, uh, where were you? Were you at Bethel last year? And she, like, calls me, like, Lord, uh, Jordan, I, I had a vision from God. I need to share it with you. And I was like, oh, okay, I hope I'm going to get, you know, super blessed. She's like, in the vision, I was running. I was running so hard. And I was so tired. She's like, I was so tired, and I just kept running. I was so tired, I wanted to pass out, but I just kept running. Finally, I said, God, why am I running so hard? He said, and then I looked up, and I saw you. God said, because you're trying to keep up with him, and you can't. <laughs> that was it. Kind of like done. It's like. There's no, like, redeeming, like, <laughs> you know, I was like, wait, are you rebuking me right now, Mom? <laughs> you know, and, like, I didn't really listen to it. And then a month later, I blew my Achilles. God was like, I told you, son. So, um, 
right? Like there's a tension between like always creating something new and taking care of the sheep that are here. Are you seeing this? Right? There's tension. There's so much tension built within these graces, and they're all an expression of Jesus. He's the high apostle, the priest and high apostle of our faith. He is the prophet. Well, the woman at, you know, at the well, I perceive you're a prophet. You're more than a prophet. He is the good shepherd. He is the great evangelist. He is the rabbi, the good teacher. He is the fivefold. But how can there be so much tension? Right? Sometimes I think the church, it's because we like zero in. We start making these like kind of elitism. I'm like, this is what's best. This is what's best. That No, it's all necessary. We have to learn to live in tension to see truth. Who is Jesus? He's in the tension of all these graces and how they all have to be operating, right? Okay, you following me? All right, so I want to start defining um, the, the grace that is upon us. And I don't want this to be theoretical tonight, so I'm really going to make it and show you what the, what the grace is. We believe, and this is through a lot of prayer, a lot of discernment, conversations amongst the staff, amongst the leadership team, that we are an apostolic church. That is the, the fundamental identity that God has given Riverhouse Church. We are an apostolic movement, right? And I want to demystify this and just make this really practical um, and, and show you how this has played out throughout our church, right? So the apostolic um, church, right? The, 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 Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, is an apostolic mandate. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That is a highly confrontational prayer to pray. That is Jesus saying, I have come not as like this really nice guy to just make you feel so good about yourself and just come to me, children, and sit on my lap. No, when he prays that prayer, right, he's the good shepherd. That's him, shepherd, right? Good shepherd Jesus. Bring me the kids. I'll love on them, right? When he prays that prayer, he is a general of an army saying, I've come to challenge every kingdom that is not my father's kingdom, to take it over and bring the dominion of my father. Right? He doesn't do this through force. He doesn't do this through confrontation. He does this through love and self-sacrifice and surrender. But it is a confrontational nonetheless. Right? He is, he is the, high, the apostle and high priest of our faith. He is the general of the armies of the Lord. He is the one coming back on a white horse with a robe dipped in blood and a sword in his hand to take vengeance on the darkness to redeem his bride from the earth. He is a man of war. Our battle's not flesh and blood, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But he is a man with violent faith who came with an apostolic mandate to bring heaven to earth. He's a general of the army of God, all right? We are all following him, all right? So I say that to say is to build a context that in an apostolic church, the emphasis, and the emphasis here, which I think you all agree with, it's to create an army, right? It's, it's not just to care for the sheep. It's to create an army, right? There's a, there's a mandate that God in Boise as it is in heaven, it's not like, oh, yeah, in Boise, yes, it's in heaven, so cool. It's like, whoa, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Right? Do you see there's confrontation even within that? Because God has put an apostolic mandate on this church. And there's aspects of how the church culture runs that, that, you'll, you'll, that will only make sense if you understand that mandate. Right? So, like, how many of you, just raise your hands if, if this is true for you. Your first six months 
at Riverhouse Church, you're like, oh my gosh, like God is like, whoa, it has been like amazing. And it has also been like hell breaking loose inside of me, like insecurity and fear and brokenness and ah, just raise your hand. (laughs) All right, right. Why is that? Right? Because there is grace. There is this catalytic grace on this church that God is equipping you to go out and be a pioneer to transform culture. Right? He's raising you up a warrior. He's dealing with the things that will hinder his purposes in you. So he is taking you into the barracks and you're in boot camp because he is raising up an army. Boot camp is not a soft stroll in the park. You look at Navy SEAL training. What are they doing? Crazy, stupid things. Out in the ocean, freezing, sitting in the mud. They have to fight together. They got to dig in. They got to work hard. They got to find that there's more inside of them than what they realize. They have to be pushed to the breaking and find that there was something more behind that breaking. That is what God does at boot camp. He's raising up an army. Right? So he's doing that here. Right? So so that's why there's tension. That's why there's the breaking. That's why there's this, like, why are you putting your finger on my wounds, God? Why are you exposing my vulnerabilities? What are you doing? He is raising you up to change the world. He is equipping you with the grace, a mandate to be an agent, a transformative agent of bringing the kingdom of God to earth, to confronting the kingdom of darkness and being equipped to manifest the goodness and the glory of God in the face of it. He's raising up an army. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Right? So, so part of that, like, you're going to understand this now. So to, to raise up an army, like, the, uh, an apostolic church is going to be messy. Right? And I just want to give you practical examples, right? So, like, <laughs> when a speaker comes here that, doesn't, that, that is a different culture than ours, that I know will say things that will offend some people, that I know may do things. Like, we had a speaker come time one time, and he was just shababan in tongues, from the day he started, from the second he started ministering to the end of his ministry, he was, he was, it was crazy. <laughs> I could feel the offense, like steaming oil, birthing in the room. Like I was sitting there like sweating, like down the back of my back. Like, oh my gosh, I think I just ruined the church. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me. He said, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Just trust me. Like, see what happens. And I started realizing that when people come, because they have different grace than what's maybe, or different culture than what's experiencing here, it's like a Petri dish, and God's like, hey, just watch, you'll get to see what's actually going on in the church. And it's kind of like sick now, but I kind of like like it. I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to like, I want to see what y'all do. <laughs> I kind of want to see how you handle it. Like, hmm, what happens if he comes? What happens if that comes? What happens if a Bethel team comes? How are you going to handle it? You know, like, what if they do something you don't like? What if someone prophesies? What if we put some people on the stage and they prophesy something that freaks somebody out? Like, what's going to happen? Like, I kind of like the mess because, right, it's in the mess that we grow. It's in the offense that we have opportunities to mature in love, right? It's in the rub. It's in the person that's worshiping in a way that's different than me that's kind of a rub. Why don't we define it? Why don't we make it safe? Why don't we shut things down? Because we're raising up an army, Right? I know leaders. I know leaders that are more like anointed as shepherds. And this is a beautiful anointing. Their dominating force of a shepherd will be to protect the flock. Because God has graced them to shepherd and protect the flock. They will create much safer environments. By the mandate of heaven. Not because they're afraid. 
but because God has anointed them to create an environment where people are safe. So they'll look at me, what I just said right there, and be like, whoa. I would never want anyone to be offended. You're sick. There's the tension. Are you following me? Right? There is tension. We have to honor both. Right? But my dominant force, because apostolic grace is the, is the, is the dominating grace on my leadership, it, it will be, to, it'll be messy. There'll be Petri dish experiments where it's like, you know, like revival groups. So it's like, we like, <laughs> you know, revival groups have been really messy. You know why? Because we like put people and they're like, so what do we do? I don't really know. What do you want to do? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you want to do? Well, I just want, you know, we're prayer, family, mission. Here's what we believe. So yeah, just create it. Well, what do we say? Well, I don't know. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? Like, do we worship? Yeah, you want to worship? You want to go out? You want to do, like, we just, you can create the culture. It's like, whoa, really? <laughs> what if I mess up? That's okay. We mess up, right? Like, we're not telling people what to do. Like, there's no uh, seven questions about the sermon. It's not a small group. I hate it when people say, hey, I joined one of your small groups at Riverhouse. Those do not exist here. <laughs> we do not. We have no seven question study guides on what I preached. I don't think I preach that good. Like, you listen to it once, okay, great. Like, we're not creating, like, a, a recap of the sermon experience, right? We're, we're creating a, 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 a space where people are empowered to, like, experiment with God and become leaders. This is apostolic grace. We're creating a new thing. We're creating cultures. We're creating house churches, right? If people don't have the space and the capacity to fail, they will never succeed either. But when people have the capacity to fail, guess what happens? People fail. And failure is messy. And this is serious, guys. People get hurt sometimes. Things happen that I don't like. Things happen that hurt my heart sometimes. Not necessarily because of bad intentions, but I'm like, That's, that wasn't good. Right? So you have to get into the mess and learn to clean it up. But that is the opportunity to grow in love and mature into the image of God. Because the mandate is, is not necessarily... It's not that we don't care for the sheep, right? We do, but the dominating force is to raise up an army to bring transformation to the culture. So that is why God is bringing a lot of mature people, young people too, in the faith. But he's bringing a lot of leaders because there's an equipping here of apostolic anointing that God is trying to raise up an army to be sent out across the nations of the earth. Truly, across the nations of the earth. That's not cliche. It is already happening. The first roots were already seen and more is coming. And he needs us ready. Right? And so if we aren't able to have risk and mess and get into the tensions of real life within the context and the safety of the, of the family of God, how will we be able to do it with the mess and the brokenness of the world we're living in? Are you, are you seeing the paradigm? Right? It's not, this is not elitism. This is not better. This is just simply the call we've been given. Right? And it resonates with you because you've been given the call as well. And if it doesn't resonate with you, maybe it's not your call. And that's totally okay. Right? And that's why we try to have like freedom here. Like we have to be true to who we are. Right? So within this, I just want to make mention that we feel like, um, and I, you know, I, I made light of it, but the, the last fall when I uh, 
ruptured my Achilles, that was God really slowing me down because I was overexerting myself being, you know, to this pioneering entrepreneurial grace that was all my life. I didn't realize it, right? We started having, like, like these feedback of people being, like, like other churches that, like, follow us on social media. They're, like, we don't know how you're, like, two years old and you do, like, a Rise conference and Now conference and Journey of Wholeness four times a year and Dunamis conference and Revival groups. And then you have this whole ministry in India, da, da, da. And we were, like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's why we're so tired. <laughs> I was like, oh, you mean that's not normal? Like, it never crossed my mind, I swear. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I am tired. <laughs> it's like, we got to, like, do some thinking about stuff, right? And the last five months, I've been slowed down physically, and that has uh, followed with a slowdown in my spirit and been, like, reflecting on, like, okay. And within that, that's where the Lord said, okay, it's step back. And, and I felt like what he showed me is, is the, there was a, a pioneering season of this church where the foundation of this apostolic movement needed to be laid. And the Lord graced me to do that. And that was where there was a sowing, a sowing, a sowing of the seed that God's given me, the blueprint that he's given me to sow into this house. And I felt like God's saying, the, 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 the foundation's been laid. Now, if, if you continue in the same capacity, it would be an oversaturation. There'd be too much consumption of just that grace and the diet, and then things get out of whack. That makes sense? And so that was, that was my mom's vision. It was the Lord trying to say, hey, 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 hey. Hey, oh, right? And, and within that, what I've realized is, okay, I, I needed to be pruned back here, and God starts showing it's time for other graces to start now being expressed so that we can have a holistic and a, a expression of the grace of Jesus within our community, right? And, and this is where revival groups um, have, to, have to come to new expression. Justin Ross is sowing into revival groups because these are the places where sheep are to be cared for, where communities are to be knit together. So it's not that we're not doing things, but it's, it's these other graces are going to be expressed within the context of this apostolic call upon our house. Does this make sense to you? Like, I, I, is this mystified or is this practical? Right, trying to make this practical, it's, it's, this is the operating paradigm of the decisions of this house and how we're, how we're leading and spending time and investing. Right, so I'm trying to bring you into the vision of this church. Right, and so um, we, uh, there's a sense of the foundations laid, and now there's a maturity that God wants to build a more complete house upon that foundation, which will necessitate other graces different than my own being sowed into this house. Does that make sense? Right? So um, I realized I had to be pruning come back, and, and we've begun the process of empowering other graces, and, and that will continue. Um, I believe God's raising up people even within our community that will fulfill this, right? And revival groups are growing, which are the house church type experiences where people are to be known, seen, shepherded, right? And then within this, we've, uh, we've, I've started to say, okay, Lord, what is the next phase of the, like the apostolic mandate on our church? And God, within this whole season of stepping back, pruning, letting go, has begun opening avenues even for myself. And I've started to understand that, that now he, his desire is that as this be, continues to mature and flourish and as more grace comes and a holistic um, community and expression of Jesus is growing within our community, he's going to begin creating avenues of export. Right? He wants to build relational ties like what's happening in Southeast Asia um, where, where uh, 
avenues through which the grace being cultivated here can begin to be expressed, right? Because the mandate is to bring heaven to earth, that we're a church to equip the church, like, right? There's, there's a releasing, there's a multiplying in, in God's building avenues. And so the reason that I spend, you know, a few times a year in India is because we feel like it's actually vital to the development of the church. Does this make sense? Right? If you're looking from a pastoral paradigm, it can be different because in a pastoral paradigm where like a shepherd is leading the church, right, the shepherd is seen as the one that's doing the ministry for the church, right, as the one that's to pastor all the people. Right? That's, the, that's the primary call of God on that type of church. That is beautiful. It is needed. It is essential. I was formed and discipled in a community like this. I wouldn't trade it for anything, right? But Within this, you start seeing, okay, no, it's, it's different, right? We're actually equipping the body to be pastors and leaders amongst themselves, right? Revival group leaders are like lay pastors, right? So the goal is I don't, I'm pioneering. I, I, God's primary call on me isn't to pastor everyone and be the shepherd of every single person in the church. I literally can do that if I wanted to, but I can't. Right? But what we can do is we can multiply. And even my mother, she can't pastor every single person in this community. But we're trying to be intentional that we're multiplying. We're a people movement. We're raising up pastors and leaders so that when people look at Riverhouse Church, they don't see Jordan Werner. Oh, my gosh, this is Jordan Werner. He's such a good pe- No, they don't even know my name. They just know, I don't know what it is about those people, but there is a powerful people that are this, this force of love to be reckoned with. And we, you see what I'm saying? right? So, but the way that we do that is, is we have to be faithful to what we're called to do. So all that to say, we, and this, is, this comes from discernment, leadership, team decisions, prayerful thing, is, is we feel like it's actually essential that even for myself, I spend time in India. And now um, there's actually been doors open, even domestic, with other churches for potential partnerships, relational partnerships, where this grace is beginning to be recognized and desired, and doors are opening. And um, the next uh, four or five months, I'm going to be ministering at a church in Southern California, um, and we're just going to pursue what it looks like uh, to, to just minister, and it's about once a month. And so I won't be here on those months. But again, we feel like it's essential because as God is maturing this, releasing other graces, there's avenues opening to begin exploring what does it look like to create channels in, in, in for export, right? It's like God saying, what's so, what, what's, what's so, the amazing thing, the goodness that's taking place in this community, God's like, it's not just for you. Right? It's for the sake of the world. So my intent and my desire is even that as I go and I minister every places, I go taking Riverhouse with me. Right? This is happening with Journey to Wholeness. How many people have been through Journey to Wholeness? Amen. I'm a passionate, bold, courageous man of God. Right? If you don't know what that means, you need to go through Journey to Wholeness. All right. Anyways, people, churches are starting to reach out even about that. Exploring avenues of what does it look like to take this experience there because the grace of God is being evident on what's happening in this house. So my desire is that as I begin going and and allowing God as he leads to start pioneering and creating avenues for export and, and fulfilling my call to equip the church, I am modeling what the grace of God is on this church, which is to raise you up to pioneer avenues into culture where the grace of God in this church can be exported. Does that make sense? Right. So I'm trying to be a living model for you of what God has brought you here for. It is to raise you up, to create you a spiritual warrior that is equipped to pioneer a new path into culture where God can begin to release himself to the different mountains of culture, to family, government, business, you know, whatever it is, teaching, uh, education, whatever place God's called you to. We are called to be an entrepreneurial people. We are an apostolic people that God is raising up to bring the kingdom of God. 
Does that make sense? I'm like sweating. So I say this all is to invite you into the adventure that we're in together. Uh, I, we, were, we had a, a revival group leader function the other night, and, and I told them this, and it's true really not just for them, but for all of you, is that what we are pioneering together right, the, uh, in, in every revival group and the different ministries and the ways that we're doing it, God's put grace on us. We're doing church in a way that has already impacted hundreds of churches, most of them abroad, but it is already impacting the way people are doing church. And so we get to be a part of something that's significant, that is something on the cutting edge of what God's doing in the church today. And it does not make us any better than any other church. And so I want us to guard, guard your minds from any elitism that would ever want to permeate our thinking and how we relate to the corporate body because we're to be a church to bless the church, which means we must have honor for the church and honor for all aspects. I love the church of Jesus, the different expressions of his grace. They need us, we need them. And so it is not better, it is just different. And even though we are unique, we are still one. But grace has been given, so we have to steward and embody this grace and see it come to fruition. Amen? Amen. If you have questions regarding to this, um, you know, we just encourage you to reach out. Uh, send an email. Uh, we would love to, to talk. And, and this is the beginning of a conversation. This is the beginning of a journey that we're on. And uh, I'm excited for the implications. It's exciting to see how this is growing. Uh, when I was in Hawaii last month, uh, I went to this little uh, rock beach uh, where God spoke to me in February of 2016 and told me to create what is now River House. And I was sitting there in awe of God saying, how? How have you done so much? I could have never fathomed that in three years you'd do all this, Lord. And uh, as I sat there, I said, I have, you know, hopefully, hopefully sooner than later I'll get to be back here. It was my first prayer. Lord, send me to Maui, please. <laughs> so if you're feeling generous, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but, but I said, Lord, I don't know when I'll be back here again. I hope to come back sooner than later. But I have no idea where we'll be. I, I can't even fathom what's gonna, you know, what, what, what will have taken place then. So we are a part of something great. It is not arrogant to believe that. Um, we must believe that, we must embody it, and then we must walk in humility so that it can be expressed and given away to a world that's craving it, right? That is the grace of God we have. So I'm gonna invite you to stand, I'm gonna pray, and uh, we'll end. If you are on the ministry tonight, just come forward as I'm praying. And we'll close with you. But God, I thank you for this house. God, I thank you for the grace of God that rests upon us as a people, that you have raised us up sovereignly for such a time as this. God, that you have put an apostolic anointing, this pioneering spirit, and entrepreneurial grace within us. God, and that it is for a specific purpose. I thank you that you have called the people of this house to come here to be equipped as spiritual warriors that can be poised to go out and face uh, the kingdom of darkness and manifest your kingdom. God, in all the different places of culture that you have called us and sent us to be. God, we thank you that you have brought us together, but it is not just to sit here and huddle. God, it is to come together, be discipled by you, into spiritual warriors and then to be sent out to the nations of the earth, God, to the places across this country, to the darkest and the furthest out and the remotest corners of the ends of the earth, God. We say, yes, we are your people. And I just say, increase your grace upon us, oh God, for Jesus' sake and for Jesus' name, that your kingdom can come and your will be done in this region and into all the other regions you send us to. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 If you want prayer, we are here. 
And uh, some spiritual warriors within the body would love to minister to you. So be blessed. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.